Okay. Today, my guest is Professor Maria Alejandra Gonzalez Perez. In, uh, I will keep my introduction short to maximize our time with her. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Alejandra as a person. Professor Gonzalez Perez is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally, is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of her accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Maria Alejandra was the vice president of administration at AIB, was a regional chapter chair for Latin America and the Caribbean region. She's a member of the Global Council of the Sustainable Development Goal Number One, SDG and Poverty, a coordinator of the Colombian universities in the Virtual Institute of UNTA. And uh, Maria is a distinguished fellow of the Association of Certified Commercial Di Diplomats. Uh, she was a research partner at the Nanyang Business School Center for Emerging Markets, area editor of the Cross-Cultural and Strategic Management Journal, and she has published over 16 books, 70 academic peer-reviewed papers and book chapters on sustainability, corporate social responsibility, and international migration. She regularly contributes to Latin American business media. Thank you, Alejandra, for joining us. Thank you guys for the invitation. Thank you for the generosity of including me in this series. So I'm really, really, really happy. And I, when I received the invitation, I didn't think that it was uh, worth uh, to this huge, um, how do you say it? It's a huge recognition uh, to be here in this series. So thank you so much. Oh, you are. Thank you so much for accepting. Alejandra, so let's just start. Uh, what did you want to become when you were a child? Well, that's, it's very difficult. I was trying, um, let me try to remember. I think I wanted to be an astronaut, uh, but yeah, I, I, but, but that one is was something that is, yeah, yeah, I think an astronaut. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Medellin in Colombia. That is, was, and I grew up in a very difficult time in where Medellin, it was, used to be the most uh, dangerous city in the world. We have a lot of people being killed during the 90s and the 80s. So, it was it was it was a war zone um, when when I grew up. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, how are things now? Great. Well, I mean, great. Like if if you want to keep the spirits, are great. Yeah, like in comparison with many things, and I guess we have to try to keep hope uh, as much as as possible alive. And can you remember the earliest moment of awareness uh, between domestic versus foreign? Do you know, I think I was like before the age of six. Uh, one thing is like my one of my grandmother's surname, it was very difficult to pronounce for or, or write by locals. So that one is one thing that I realized and it was uh, no normal. Then it was my one of my surnames, another Gonzalez first, but one that is Elish. It was very difficult to pronounce or write. So I realized that there is something that is different. And also I realized that toys were made in Taiwan and cool chocolates such as Milky Way uh, and candy social crafts. So they were very different to the ones that, that were produced in Colombia. So I think uh, my awareness of the what is foreign or what it was local, it was it was it was about that. Yeah. Hmm. So and toys chocolates and difficult surnames, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. How did you choose academia? Well, I choose academia. Uh, well, my, my, both of my parents are academic. So that one is, was uh, one straightforward thing, but I, 
like to me, I, I was, I worked, I used to be a clinical psychologist. My background, my undergrad was in psychology and I did clinical psychology. So I moved to work in HR and from HR, then I moved to corporate social responsibility. And from there, well, I worked for a large multinational company, one multinational that had operated in Colombia for almost hundred years. So very traditional one. And to me, it was when I was working in there within the CSR, corporate social responsibilities was super difficult to understand why when we receive an email or a call that said the market require, I mean, people from the market require something. And then it's like this market, there were calls from Europe or calls from United States. And we said, I mean, what we have, what is that thing that is the market from those countries so powerful that we have to implement things immediately to the community, immediately to the environment. So I think it's like wanted to understand what what it was that. So I I, I moved from different. So and the, well, the other thing is like uh, I, I lived in many different countries. So I personally experienced what it is the liability of being foreign. But what are the liabilities of being coming from being foreign from a country that is not Europe or the US or Japan? So uh, so these like experiencing these liability of foreignness and emergingness is also something else that I wanted to understand. So I moved from psychology to management, to sociology, to economics, to reach a home that is international business. And before you ended up with Ivy, uh, you worked as a researcher in Irish Chambers of Commerce and the Economies of Social Policy Research Unit in Ireland. What is that? Well, that, that one is, there were two jobs that I did when I was studying. So like one of them, like I work in the uh, Chamber of Commerce, I was conducting research in diversity. So it was a big project by the European Commission. And it was a moment like Ireland had experienced one tr very fast transformation. And it was a phenomenon called the Celtic Tiger in where different, uh, I mean, there was a, a, a large influx of money, uh, foreign direct investment into Ireland. And then Ireland become a rich country. And then a lot of people that were not Irish start to arrive to Ireland. So the project that I was working with the Chamber of Commerce, it was on diversity management. How is that we have this pure Irish life and pure, pure Irish people. And then suddenly you have to face and you need to to accommodate and you and you like if you want to grow you have to recruit people that are not Irish. So mm -hmm. and and in the ESPRI in the economic social uh, research unit that one is was a project that I did and it was in poverty and it was uh, with my professors in in Ireland. I did my PhD in Ireland, so I lived for eight years in in Ireland. Okay. All right, thank you. I was just curious. Uh, something that is not on your CV that people might find interesting about you. Well, I don't know if it is interesting, but let me let me see. Like I have different things. Like so, for instance, I like to sit in the right hand side of airplanes. Like usually, I always ask for the K uh, for the K uh, row. <laughs> Uh, more things <laughs> that one is something that it is uh, other thing i have traveled to 93 countries and that one is especially married because i'm um traveled with a colombian passport so it's not the same to travel to 90 sorry 97 countries when are, you have a powerful passport than when you travel to 97 countries with a colombian passport that require far more uh uh let's say uh 
visas challenges visas visa time so like it's very difficult to travel to three countries at the same time in three, three of them require visas so i guess you you understand what what i mean it's probably you you face similar circumstances in the past yeah uh true uh <laughs> if you start doing what you're doing today what would you do what's the second best uh, alternative career path for you I will say different things. I would like to be a photograph, um, journalist, and a diplomat. But I think that when you are doing, uh, when you are academic, like in academia, and you do things like in international business or in sustainability, then are the two fields that I move. I guess I'm a diplomat and a journalist and a photographer anyway. <laughs> so it's just, it's just like a, I have second best alternatives, but they are, uh, they are together within my, uh, yeah, within my life. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, regrets in life, anything you wish you had done differently? Not really, not really. And I, that one is very brave and I'm probably overconfident to say, but I think I have dared to do everything that I have uh, wished. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what are you most proud of? What I'm very proud of, I'm very proud about um, my loyalty. I'm very proud of the biodiversity of my country. Okay, let's talk about research. Um, you uh, have done quite a bit of work on uh, sustainability, corporate social responsibility, uh, uh, migration. And uh, I want to ask you, uh, say you're stranded in your travels to one of these 97 countries, uh, you're stranded on the side of the road and people ask you about what you do. Uh, uh, what is the question, what is the answer to uh, when you're talking to people who don't read uh, GIFs regularly. Okay. Yeah, so like uh, when like somebody asked me on the street or somebody as you said, like in a small place or somebody that is not uh, from uh, from academia as what I do, well, I basically tell them that I do research companies or and what the private sector do to impact the people in where they operate in a positive way. So, and especially when they operate in places that are different to their own home. And also to understand why companies from developing countries have to work much, much harder abroad than uh, companies that are from developed countries in technique, especially in things in where technically they do exactly the same thing. Okay. So, what are what about your thoughts on the omitted variables, things we have done, uh, we haven't covered enough, we haven't um, focused enough on, things that we should be do, uh, doing more of in IV research? Well, I, there, are, there are many things, I guess. Uh, one, it is, I think we haven't studied enough uh, geopolitical dynamics or factors like social health. Uh, trade agreements or sanctions or geopolitical tensions impact business. That could be one thing. Another thing will be uh, technological innovations, especially the advance on artificial intelligence, how that affect and shape uh, the way that business operate. Uh, what else? Uh, different socio-economical socio and environmental factors, like things, the impact of globalization on international business and working rights, inequality, uh, climate change. Also migration, I think that migration is underdeveloped, uh, cultural and linguistic diversity, but cultural and linguistic diversity as, uh, as a source of competitive advantage. Sometimes we don't study how that could be one competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. no. 
When I talk about uh, cultural and linguistic diversity, um, let's expand on that one. Uh, what do you mean? But about cultural linguistic diversity, I mean, it's like to speak different uh, languages, like to be effectively able to communicate and to provide yourself, to place yourself in a context, in a specific context. And like in, when you do, like when you study cultural diversity, are, for instance, in a country like Colombia, we, our native language or most general language is Spanish, but we have other 85 different languages. 85, really? different, 85 different local languages. And we have one, even one island in Colombia in which main language is English. So that one, the fact that we have this rich diversity, even inside countries that you don't realize. And personally, I don't know how to say many words in probably over 80 of those uh, languages that give you one open-minded and will give you one this way that you can translate to other issues. But also the fact uh, when you talk about people that like are in are fluent or they have or companies that operate linguistically naturally in Arabic cont context, they have a much better advantage because like when you have these linguistic and cultural diversity, you have a better understanding that you will be more uh, more open to have different uh, ways of things, people, and to connect um, creatively and to uh, to be able to yeah to understand context more more easily. So, can you explain about the process of uh, thought, the, your, the the way that you write papers uh, in a state of idle curiosity? What does your mind think of uh, about uh, new papers, new new questions? What's okay. the process like for you? Well, there are different processes. Uh, I guess one of them will be to, well, one thing that I do is like try to listen of what is going on in the world and trying to anticipate what are going to be the biggest challenges and to study from there. So one thing that I try to do is like to study a topic that interests me a lot and a country, a topic in where I'm not really familiar. That is will be something that is uh, contra, like uh, against of what possibly is, but I like mm -hmm. to study things that I really don't know much. Uh, and, and then I try to make teams, if, if it is a project that I'm leading and try to connect people in different places that are able to have an open uh, conversation about it. And they are willing to, uh, to have this, uh, that have the, we share the same question. And then from there to design which methods are going to we can uh, from yeah which method can we use to study that topic or that theme and how we can compare our findings in different countries. So that one is will be if I'm leading a project or if I'm leading a a, a, a paper as you said is like it would be uh, to me it's like it's just beginning from this topic that caused me more curiosity and topics and our. I don't have much knowledge and topics in where I have seen that the literature is not yet there. Like for instance, we had a, like one of our largest projects last, I guess two years ago, it was using futures as a field, like futures, like futuristic, like future studies. Mm -hmm. And we applied it to climate change. And we did a study on this, how uh, different set of factors, like uh, business, governments, academics, and civil society can work together to address climate change, and at the same time to improve uh, um, economic growth. So these things in where you combine different methods or in where you combine different approaches, those things 
are something that is like is that that is within my order uh, or priorities when I I do a research and then um, and then it's the process of writing I guess is a different like to me it is a very different process for some people doing a research doing a study and doing a paper is exactly the same thing for me they are two different separate things and is I guess for doing research you need passion and you need to have a team and you have to be able to ask as many questions as possible and and the order that you have to follow is the order of the scientific method but when you're writing a paper then you need a different set of skills and be able to be more structured and be able to do things in in the conventional way than to be able to keep yourself tied to a one uh one structure and so that one it is so like it, it is it is different to write a paper to me than to conduct research they can relate but they are they are not the same mm -hmm. so let's say you're working on uh, sdg1 and poverty Mm -hmm. and you want to do research what do you do and then you want to write a paper for uh, for an IB journal let's just talk about uh, the research later but uh, uh, the, the paper later how do you do research on and poverty then well like to like that one is number one you have to you can do like you can address poverty for many things you can take like how the private sector how multinational companies they do contribute to poverty reduction or how they contribute to increase poverty. So like you can take it from the point of view of creation of jobs or the payment of taxes or the contribution to the local economy, or you also can take it uh, from uh, the contribution to the providers of capital, say that to the financial sector. Uh, so like you can, there are many different ways in where you can, uh, in where you can try to understand the impact of a particular business within the, and how this business positively create economic conditions that are going to be uh, facilitate or enable the reduction of poverty, but also- oh, Okay, yeah. I understand that part. So you mentioned you had some, you had a team or some group yeah. of people that you work with? I work always with people, yeah, in different countries, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you search for these uh, NGOs, you search for these uh, institutes? Uh, no, actually no? I work, I don't, I, it's very rare that I work with a different, uh, with a different things than private sectors. I study companies. Uh, so I usually look for, uh, but, but at the same time we do, as my teams are located in different countries, we do ethnographic research. So when we, when I, by, by the way, I work with primary data most of the time. So I collect my own data or, or my team collect their own data. So we interview managers, um, but we also, we go and to have this ethnographic experience to see what they are doing and complement with secondary data on, on what it is. So it is, it is a pro, an iteration between you, you interview and you observe but then you also go and interview and observe and try to see, uh, like compare with different other measures of, of poverty, standardized measures of poverty redu reduction. Okay. Income okay. or, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you get back home and you start writing. And that's, that's right. Well, I, I, I usually, yeah I, yeah, I usually collect the data in Colombia and my colleagues collect the data in other, okay. in their countries, yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. About uh, the evolution in the field, so the, uh, from what we used to do, what we used to study, 
uh, 1980s, 1990s in IB, and the topics that we study uh, today are, are different. In your opinion, uh, what did we lose along the way, or are we doing something interesting, more interesting? Are we gaining something along the way with this evolution? Yes, but I think that I think that we have to catch up. Uh, I think that we have there are many topics and have been overly studied within international business. Likewise. And I think that, like which ones? Uh, well, like said, cultural differences, uh, like and how cultural differences like um, impact international business or cross national differences per se. That one also had been um, very um, overstudy. Internationalization process, super overly study. Entry mode strategies, very overstudy. Uh, the relationship between uh, globalization and fair performance is also overly studied. So I think that there are topics in where we it's very difficult to do very insightful and uh, new contribution. But there are topics in where IV really can or should move right now. I think that there are uh, that the world is going and is covering different issues. That like for instance, the just the issue of being international. We have right now, we have internet as a geography. Internet is not, is not international. Internet as a geography doesn't have the boundaries of international. So that one, it is something. Does international business study internet as a geography? Does it counts as international or that was is a totally different context? So that one thing, or if we take other thing that is would be supra international, if we take space economy. So if we take any, all of the extraterrestrial activities that are occurring, the huge number of money that is moving above the globe. So that kind of things, I think that there are or things that have a relation with artificial business for from artificial intelligence to artificial intelligence. So and things like climate change, so major uh, political, uh, social discontentment, um, the lack of hope in the in the youth. So I think there are many, many huge topics that are here, that are um, that are breathing here that we have to that we have to to take and to question ourselves in IB. Because as I mentioned to you, like if we take internet as a geography, that is not international business. And if you are if you are doing things that are above the globe, that is not globalization, neither neither global issues or things that are super ones. So, so that things is like, I think that we have been, about, I mean, we have been evolving. We have right now, for instance, in GIF, sustainability as one of the new areas. And we have the Journal of International Business Policy that covers things that are in relation to sustainable development and the contribution to multinationals. But these things that I'm talking to you, they are not yet within our main conferences. Oh, so they sound still too much uh, science fiction or, or yeah. So, and I guess it's because we, we tend to be very academic and we don't move often. We don't leave our curiosity to drive our research or we don't leave our heart to lead our papers. Uh, like sometimes like within this field or within academia in general, we tend to be very structured and follow what, what, uh, what the the current uh, the, the what yeah we tend to follow the present uh, the the how do you say the trend of the citations instead of we don't take much risk to to go into those topics. Yet. Okay, 
Thank you. Now about uh, your training, uh, you, you mentioned you, you were trained in Ireland. Uh, uh, what was the best advice you received when you were going through the PhD program yourself? Well, who was your advisor? My advisor was Terry McDonough, and Terry died actually two years ago. And Terry is from the field of uh, uh, political economy. So like I had a very, like, very different approach to international business uh, with having this, uh, uh, this advisor. So, but it gives many of the approaches, like my supervisor encouraged me to keep freedom of disciplinary freedom and also to make sure that whatever I do, I try to be impactful and to keep it real. So that one is, I guess that one is one, one huge advice and that, that he gave me, like try to connect your heart to what you do and try to do things in where you believe. Um, that one it is, like he said, he often, yeah, he says like, just do things that, that could impact your neighbor, yeah. <laughs> so that one is, yeah, that one is the, the type of advice that, that I, I think is more, is more value. I have learned over the years that the most important thing in life is kindness. So I think to me, it's like to, I, I value kindness over any anything. So is, that is like top in my list over any other, any other status, any other possession, any other thing is just kindness is just above any other other whatever. Yeah, and the other thing that I have learned is that emotional capital is far more important than funding. And when you have emotional capital, that is like somebody that believe in you or somebody that like to work with you or somebody that is interested in your topic, like you can go in research far more farther and enjoy far more and you can be more creative in terms of how do you get the data than if you have funding. Because if you have the emotional capital, you don't have to, you don't have to report to agencies that you don't have to, like there are many ways in where you just have to work with your ethics and your, and your, um, and your head and your, and your training and your methods, but also you need to put your heart on what you are doing and you have to, to be loyal to your, to your team and kind and loyal. Perfect. Now uh, I've seen a couple of postings on LinkedIn that you 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 made over a couple of months now. Um, you're visiting other universities, other institutions. Uh, you meet with other PhD students. Uh, what is maybe the top three big mistakes that you see across the world that uh, young scholars or PhD students usually make that uh, that you would say don't do these things. These are bad mistakes. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I think that are the big, big three mistakes that I think that uh, like young, like that IB scholars, uh, that they are in there within the field. And I think that PhD or people that are beginning their career shouldn't make. Number one is failing uh, to consider ethical implications of what you do. So I think that ethical implications of your research is very important. Sometimes we see, things that are not uh, carrying out uh, with the higher ethical standards. So the one is a top mistake that should be avoided is like to failing to consider ethical implication. The other one, huge one is ignoring context. So that one is, is very huge. So like we have to understand that um, international business, business is very complex and is contextual. 
So be uh, ignoring context could be like to, it's a disaster. And the other thing that I would say is like this lack of having multidisciplinary perspective. So having uh, the understanding of different disciplines like social economics, sociology, uh, psychology, those are disciplines that are really can enrich the views that you do. So like those, those three, so uh, ethics, context, and multidisciplinarity. Thank you. For the sake of time, what's the question that I should have asked you but haven't? Well, you know, my dear, like you have been one of the most challenging <laughs> interviewers. You should be one, how do, you, how do you call it, an anchor for the BBC or something. Or, <laughs> or, or like you, oh, you have some of the questions. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I really, you know, I think the question I like, the question that you ask me the most that I like is that when you ask me, who is my advisor? Because he's a person that provided me a lot of, he was my, he was my sponsor in many ways. So thank you for asking me that question because it allowed me to recognize somebody that is super important and and who def, who make me to define who I am. So so thank you for for the many questions that that you yeah. asked me. And yeah, so congratulations. So you you should be an anchor in TV. <laughs> I don't think so, but thank you so much. Uh, Alejandra, thank you so much for this uh, very insightful interview. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I benefited from it. Uh, anything else that you want to get off your chest before I uh, stop recording? No, thank you so much for, for once again, thank you so much for the implication. And I'm, I'm an AIB, AIBer, so that one is like my, all my tattoos and everything. So like that one is the, <laughs> is the only academic circle that I am and is the, my only community. And I'm super AIB and I'm so super proud of being an AIBer. So I am 100% AIBer. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Take care, you too. Thank you so much.